Well, brothers and sisters, these words give us a window into the heart of a pastor for his people, verses 14 and 15. Gives us a window into the heart of a pastor, even for the most difficult people to whom we minister. The church of Corinth was no easy assignment for the apostle Paul. And so this letter is instructive for us. These two verses are instructive for us as well. Paul pulls back the curtain of his heart for the Corinthians. An attitude of heart that seems counterintuitive to us, to our flesh. But it is perfectly consistent with the heart of Christ. That's what we need to keep in mind as we study these verses this morning. This is not just the heart of Paul. This is the heart of Christ that has been pressed into, as it were, the heart of Paul. A heart and spirit that we as kingdom workers are called to emulate, to cultivate, even as we look and peer into the heart of Christ this morning. As Paul writes to the Corinthians dealing with a host of problems, as we saw from these last two verses of the chapter, he continues to write to them in familial terms. He's setting up, as it were, a family budget. He's saying, this is how I'm coming to you as a father. This is how I'm going to save up. And this is how I'm going to spend out for you. And that's our theme for our chapel message this morning. Saving up and spending out. First of all, we want to see the savings plan that Paul sets before the Corinthians, before us. And when you save up money, you need a saving plan to keep you disciplined, to keep you focused. That's what Paul is, is writing here. Every pastor's plan for a saving plan for ministry, every kingdom worker's saving plan for ministry, every believer's saving plan for, for reaching the lost. What does that saving plan looks like? look like? Well, first of all, there's the underlying principle. There's a principle that guides uh, the saving of the gospel minister, of the gospel worker. When you go to the bank, you might see a slogan that says, um, let us make your money work for you. You invest your money, you hopefully get a return that's equitable and fair for your money. But here, Paul sets forth the prisoner that uh, the, the principle that guides his gospel saving plan. The principle is this. The children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Here's this family budget. The father is saving up for the children. And for those of you who are in the midst of rearing children, you know this is your task. You're saving up for your children to clothe them, to feed them the very basic necessities of life, to educate them. You're saving up. All of the family budget, in a sense, is focused on the children. So your children can have a good start in life, that they can grow and be fed and nourished and have all these things that they need. That's what Paul is saying here. He's determined to do that, this for the Corinthians in the gospel. He will save up the treasure of the gospel and of Christ for them. He's determined to save up all these things for them. So that he might feed them with Christ. That he might clothe them with Christ. That he might educate them in Christ. He is their spiritual father. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 4.15. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers? 
For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. And he takes this principle and he applies it now. He is the parent of the Corinthians, the spiritual parent that has been saving up for them gospel treasures. And it is this that he seeks to impart to them. It's this principle that should guide you and me this morning. Professors, pastors, evangelists, lay people, students who seek to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the grace of God, we, we lay up treasures. We save up. We bank all the promises of God to impart them to others in moments of need. It speaks to our duty in the ministry of the gospel. We're to save up spiritual capital as those who have begotten others in the gospel, as those who seek to beget others, to clothe them, to feed them, to nourish them in Christ. That's what Paul is laying down here in this principle of saving up. But it's a constant challenge for us. It requires that we ourselves be exercised in the very things that we speak about. Means we need to be men and women and of prayer and the word. This means we need the heart of Christ so that when we preach and pastor and speak with others, they would not see us, but they would see Christ. That they might know the exceeding riches of his grace towards them. We store up so that we might say with Paul in Philippians 4:19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. In glory by Christ Jesus. And so we save up these treasures that are bound up in Christ so that others might bank on the riches of Christ. This principle calls for self-denial, doesn't it? If you want to build your savings, you have to say no to frivolous spending. You have to work hard to earn your money. That's the picture that Paul is speaking of here as well. He speaks of his own self-denial as he implements this principle. He says, I will not be burdensome to you. When Paul came to the Corinthians, his desire was not to be paid by them in monetary value. In 2 Corinthians eleven eight, he says, I robbed other church- churches taking wages of them to do your servant, to do you service. Paul wasn't in it for the money when he came to the Corinthians. Why does he say these things? Why does he not want to be chargeable to the Corinthians? Because he wants to show that his love is not conditioned by the things that the Corinthians could give to him. Rather, he wants them to understand that he has come to them to impart to them the gift of the gospel. And it is this that was distinguishing Paul from the false teachers in Corinth. They were in it for the money, but Paul wasn't. Paul makes it abundantly clear that this is not what is driving him to preach the gospel to the Corinthians. He will not be a burden to anyone. He's not interested in their money. He's not interested in their stuff. His driving interest is their soul and them as a whole person. That's what he says in verse 14. I seek not yours, but you. That's why he counsels Timothy. First Timothy three, verse two and four, two through four, that elders must not be greedy of filthy lucre. They must not be in it simply for the love of money. He says in Acts 20, verse 33, I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. There's this consistency in Paul's ministry that he's, he's not in it to grow rich, but he's in it to focus on the people. That's the focus of his ministry. 
That is the true reward of his ministry. And if he's not in it for the money, then he's in it for the people. That's the goal of his savings plan. He says, for I seek not yours, but you. It's not about the stuff. He would be chargeable to no one. He would not be held hostage to the demands of the Corinthians because they paid him. There was the temptation they could threaten Paul. But here Paul protects him from that charge. And he makes it abundantly clear that he's in it for their spiritual welfare. He says that as well in verse 19. But we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying, for your building up. He's living a life of self-denial. And so woe to us if we seek the ministry, if we seek the kingdom of God, just for the sake of stuff, for wealth and money. I trust that's not why we're here this morning. Certainly we need to live. We need to put food on the table. But we seek others. That's the, the driving focus of ministry, isn't it? We seek not yours, but you, the person. We want the entire person, mind, soul, and body devoted to Jesus Christ. Isn't that what Christ has done on behalf of sinners like you and me? In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, he says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might become rich. So there's this counterintuitive principle at work in the ministry of the gospel. We're not in it to get rich. We are in it for the people. We become poor as Christ did for the sake of those to whom we minister, that they might become rich in Christ, that they might be clothed in him, that they might feed on him, that they might know him and his unsurpassed riches. There's self-denial. There's this goal of gospel ministry, the people themselves, but there's a willingness, isn't there, that Paul demonstrates in saving up. There's something exhilarating, isn't there, to watch your bank account grow, to save up for the, for the future. And when your money grows through investment, it encourages you to do more, to save up even more, makes you willing to do more. That's what Paul says, I'm ready to come to you. He's willing and selfless in his saving up of these treasures of Christ for these proud Corinthians who would rather follow hollow false teachers than the substance of the gospel as it's been preached to them. They were demonstrating that in their lives, pursuing sin rather than pursuing the Savior. But Paul is ready. Paul has saved up and he's ready now to come. His account, as it were, is, is bursting to full so that he can overflow to the Corinthians to teach them again, to, to bring them back to Christ again. He's utterly selfless in his desire for their souls. I desire not yours, but you. It's not about Paul. It's not about me or you as we labor in the kingdom, is it? It's about Christ being formed in those to whom we minister. It's about Christ being formed in us this morning as we sit under the ministry of Christ through the word and by the spirit. We go out and we preach and we teach and we counsel and we speak willingly saying we are ready to come to you. We are willing. We desire you for Christ. We will not be burdensome to you in any way. 
Beloved, here's the principle, the self-denial, the goal, the willingness that we have, that we ought to have as gospel workers for those to whom we minister. I seek not yours, but you. I'm laying up for you treasures that are, that are unsurpassed, that will not rust or corrupt. Treasures that are bundled up in who Christ is. And so we save up in order to spend out. That's our second thought this morning. We see the savings plan, but we also see the spending plan. Paul does not just save up for the sake of saving up. He's saving up so that he can spend and spend generously, liberally. You see, every good steward does not just have a, a savings plan. They also have a spending plan. I'm sure many of you know what that's like in the day-to-day living of the household. Sometimes it seems like the spending plan is larger than the savings plan. But here is Paul's gospel budget for the Corinthian church. I'm ready to come to you. I will not be burdensome to you. The father is saving up for the children. And I will gladly, very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I will gladly be spent, Paul says. He does not grudgingly come to the Corinthians to preach the glorious riches of Christ, to bring them back to the one to whom they are espoused. He doesn't grudgingly save up these riches and then hoard them to himself. And then grudgingly spend them amongst the Corinthians. And he's actually emphatic here. Could be translated, I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. There is no hint in the heart of Paul that he's a a gospel scrooge. He will most gladly spend the gospel and he will most gladly spend himself so that others might know Christ. This reminds us of his words to the elders of Ephesus in Acts 20. Verses 18 through 20, where he says that the Ephesians knew what manner of man he was among them from the first and during hardship. And then he says, you know how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what manner of man I was among you, holding nothing back. He's spending liberally to the church at Ephesus. He's spending liberally to the church at Corinth. It doesn't matter who they are. There's this wonderful consistency about Paul's character, about Paul's heart that is set before us in the word of God so that we might learn. He comes to the Corinthians in the same way. He does so as he preaches Christ in every place. He's gladly willing to be spent and to spend. There's a joyful, a personal generosity that marks the ministry of the gospel. That joyful, personal generosity that lies behind the gospel is the heart of Christ himself. These words that he's embodied himself in his grace to, to me and to you this morning as well. Just recently we heard that chapel, didn't we? He was the willing servant of Psalm 40, of Hebrews 10. 
This willingness, this eagerness to spend and and be spent, this this eagerness of Christ, the willingness of Christ reflected in our heart, in our ministries, in our studies. This is the impetus of a long ministry. The impetus of a ministry to even difficult people, to challenging circumstances. The only way we can say that we will most gladly spend and be spent as if we are in Christ, abiding in Christ, abiding in the vine, bearing this, this rich fruit of this joyful personal generosity. Does it mean it will be easy to do this? No. The life of the Lord Jesus Christ proves that when we take up the cross and follow him, it's not an easy road. Paul wasn't sugarcoating his ministry to the Corinthians. It was challenging. It was difficult. But he still says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. And at the end of the day, we cannot do it any other way. Because this is how Christ has served us in the gospel. And it's from that point that we go out and we say, I will most gladly spend and be spent. And it comes at a huge personal cost. We make this personal investment in the ministry, in the lives of people around us. Paul is affected by this. He says, I will most gladly spend and be spent. He doesn't send Timothy. He doesn't send Titus as he had done before. He says, I am ready to come to you. I will gladly spend and be spent. Paul's coming himself. It's a personal ministry. There are times where we can send a delegate or two, but by and large, ministry is personal. Engaging with people one-on-one, I will come to you. I will gladly spend and be spent. We do not stand at a distance from the problems of people in the church. We do not stand distant from the church itself. It's a personal ministry. Paul's heart throbs for the Corinthians. He will spare nothing to bring these people who are so enamored with spiritual gifts. These flash and bang false teachers with these people who practiced immorality. He will go to them himself and he will minister to them in order that Christ might be formed in them. He was determined to bring Christ to them and to bring them back to Christ to spend all his gospel savings on these Corinthians, everything that he was, everything that, that was Christ in him, he was going to, to bring to them. He put his reputation on the line. He put his personal health on the line. He put his safety on the line. He put his own material well-being on the line. He was going to spend this gospel currency freely and generously to win them back to Christ, to bring them back to the foundation of the gospel that they had learned. He's going to spend his own life freely for the sake of the Corinthians. Are we ready to do that? Doesn't require going to countries where there's persecution. Go to the local churches here. You will find problems as big as Corinth. Problems that require this personal investment, this personal laying down of our lives for the sake of the sheep as Christ did. We are limited, we are weak, and yet there's this this personal investment, giving it our all, because
because Christ has given it his all. The treasure of the gospel is committed to earthen vessels. Yet it's this earthen vessel that needs to be spent and broken for the sake of the gospel so the gospel light can shine ever more clearly through it to those in need. When we do this, we really follow in the master's footsteps, don't we? We're willing to spend and be spent because Christ embodied these words for us. He was willing to grab the towel, to stoop down, to wash the feet, showing his heart of humility. He crawled on the ground in the garden of Gethsemane, spending and being spent for his own. He hung on the cross, spending and being spent to the point where he cried out, it is finished, it is paid in full, spent to the full. The prophet Isaiah says it this way, he's poured out his soul unto death. He gave his all, spending and being spent. If he's done this for sinners like you and me, can we do any less for others? And there's this comprehensive aim, isn't there, in this spending plan? A spending plan that has no aim is reckless. But here Paul says the pastor's spending has a very specific aim. And Michael, this one's for you as you head to Iowa this week. It's like the hunter taking aim not just at a herd of deer with a shotgun, hoping to just get one, maybe just one. But it's aiming at the heart of a magnificent 12-point buck with that arrow, the bow drawn, aiming with a sure arrow, the specific goal to spend and be spent for the Corinthians. That's what he says. I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Think of the most difficult person in the church. Are you ready to say that for you? Think of yourself now. And as Christ hung on the cross, he did that for you. His aim was your heart, your person. Are we ready to do the same with the same aim, with the same precision, with the same goal for you, for you? Paul doesn't want the Corinthians money. He spares no expense himself so that these Corinthians could be sealed in the gospel so they would be immune to false teachers, that their knowledge would be tempered with love, that their pride would be shattered with humility. That's my aim this morning for you, that you might know Christ, this heart of Christ, so that we can go out and minister in the same way. That your souls would be strengthened in the faith and knowledge of him who gave himself for you. That as we minister to hurting, prideful, unbelieving souls, their souls would be knit to the heart of Christ, that it would be as one with him that we could say, we're doing this for you. That's why we will spend and be spent. It's not just to help others feel better. Eternity is at stake in the ministry of the gospel. That's what's propelling Paul here as well. That's what compelled Christ. Eternity was in the balance. 
Sometimes we forget that as we focus on the problems of this world, become focused on the problems and not eternity that's looming behind those problems. And so we need a heart of love, of compassion, of care, of willingness to spend and be spent, to be determined even to do this. Because there will be times where you are tested in this saving and spending out plan. Sometimes we'll look in the ministry, we'll look for a return on our investment. We say, we're doing this for you, but it's, it's like the seed is falling on the stone. There's no fruit, there's no return. Paul experienced that. He will see it through to the end, no matter what the return of investment is going to be. He's looking for a return of their souls, not necessarily their love. His, his response to the Corinthians is not conditioned based on what they can give him, either in monetary value or an emotional uh, return of, of love. His ministry is not based on what he receives, but on what he can give. He says in verse 15, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Statement could be read in two ways. It can be read as a statement as it's in this translation, or it can be read as a question. If you love me more, if I love you more abundantly, why should you love me less? But the point is this, Paul is determined that whether the Corinthians love him more or love him less because of his ministry to them, he's going to love them more. He's going to love them with this committed, determined type of love that was shown to him in Christ. And this is the loving determination that we ought to have for others. In spite of a low return or no return on this investment, at least from our perspective, from what we can perceive. Imagine for a moment if our ministries were based on the responsive love of the people. You'll experience this. A person will tell you they love you the one day, the morning after you preach, they'll find reason not to love you. So how will you respond then? Will we love them more? You see, ministry is not about us. It's not about how much people love us and how well re regarded we are in the eyes of people. But it's about their souls being in relationship with Christ. That should be the sum total of our ministry to spend and be spent regardless of the return of investment. God's in control of that. And that frees us up to serve, doesn't it? We're liberated now to spend and be spent. And so we're not loving based on how others love us. That will not stop us from loving more abundantly. Why? What's the secret to Paul's love here for the Corinthians? Well, it goes back to 2 Corinthians 5, doesn't it? It's the love of Christ that constrains me. The love of Christ, as it abides in our hearts, as we abide in the love of Christ, is that which brings us into the messiest situations. And we gladly, very gladly, will spend and be spent for the sake of of others. It's the love of Christ that constrains us, that compels us, 
that grounds us. It's in proportion to the grounding, being anchored in that constant abiding divine love that we can save up and we can spend out again and again and again. When we are depleted, we go back to Christ. We look to him. We trust in him. We are refueled and we go back into the ministry again to save up and to spend out. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for these words. These words that bring us not just to the Apostle Paul as an example, but to the Lord Jesus Christ as our empowerment to do this very thing, to save up the treasures that are in Christ and then to spend them out in a ministry that embodies the very love of Christ to sinners. Lord, help us to live out these realities, not just for our ministries, but for our marriages, for our families, for our churches that we're part of, for this place, for the seminary, that this place would be saturated in the love of Christ, so that it would be easy for us to save up. And for those who are studying here, these would be years of, of saving up, of storing up, so that when we hit the road of the ministry, that we can go out and say, we are ready to come unto you. And we will most gladly spend and be spent for you. Fill us, O oh God, with your love and with your spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.